0: And yeah, good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hoddle. This is the Ken Hoddle Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is February the 7th, 38th day of the year. 327 days remain to the year's with. Few high points in history. 457 Leo I becomes the Eastern Roman Empire, which eventually became the Byzantine Empire. 1301 Edward of Carnarvon, later King Edward II of England, becomes the first English Prince of Wales. 1365 Albert III of Mecklenburg, King Albert of Sweden, Grand city rights to. Olivia and 1497 in Florence, Italy, supporters of Girolamo Savonarolo, burn cosmetics, art, and books in a bonfire of the vanities. Well, in 1783, American Revolutionary War, French and Spanish forces lift the great siege of Gibraltar. 1795, saw the 11th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution be ratified. 1807, Napoleonic Wars. Napoleon finds Beningen's Russian forces taking a stand at Ilo. After a bit of fighting, the French take the time, but the Russians resume the battle the next day. Some folks don't know when to quit. Now, in 1812, interesting thing happened. The strongest in a series of earthquakes it's New Madrid Missouri and is a major fault that is overdue for erupting again 1813 in the action of February 7th near least the loss the frigates Arthurus and Amelia battle each other neither one gains an upper hand 1819, Sir Thomas Stamford Raffles leaves Singapore just after taking it over. Left it in the hands of William Farquhar. The. Uh, let's see. 1904, fire begins in Baltimore, Maryland. Stories over 1,500 buildings in 30 hours. 1940, the second full length animated Walt Disney film was shown. Pinocchio. 1943, World War II, Imperial Japanese forces complete the evacuation of Imperial Japanese Army troops from Guadalcanal during Operation Key. It ends the Japanese attempts to retake the island from Allied forces during the Guadalcanal campaign. 1944, World War II, ANZIO, Italy, German forces launch a counteroffensive during the Allied Operation Shingle. 1951, Korean War. More than 700 suspected communist sympathizers are massacred by South Korean forces. Well, let's see what else we got. 1991. Uh, I'm sorry, 1990. Dissolution of the Soviet Union. Committee committed the Soviet Communist Party agrees to give up its monopoly on power. You am know, also overlooked uh, 1986, 28 years of one-family rule in Haiti ended in, uh, when President Jean-Claude Duvalier flees the Caribbean nation. 1991, saw Haiti's first democratically elected president, Jean-Bertrand Alherstie, being sworn in. 1992, the Maastricht Treaty is signed. leads to the creation of the European Union. 1995, Ramzi Yusuf, mastermind of the 1983 World Trade Center bombing, arrested in Islamabad, Pakistan. 1999, Crown Prince Abdullah becomes King of Jordan on the death of his father, King Hussein. 2001, Spatial Atlantis is launched on mission STS-88, carrying the Destiny Laboratory module to the International Space Station. 2009, bushfires in Victoria leave 173 dead in the worst natural disaster in Australia's history. 2012, President Mohammed Nasheed of the Republic of the Maldives resigns after 23 days of anti-governmental protests calling for the Release of the Chief Judge unlawfully arrested by the military. 2013, Mississippi officially certifies the 13th Amendment, finally becoming the last state to approve the abolition of slavery. It was formally ratified in Mississippi in 1995, but it wasn't certified. 2014, so I just announced that the Happisburg footprints in Norfolk, England date back more than 800,000 years making them the oldest known hominid footprints outside of Africa and in 2021 uh, 2021 Utah rakon flood begins you know there's a lot that can be learned from history So few people um, understand that. Yesterday, we started talking about uh, more haunted hospitals. I think we did Illinois and Indiana. And today, we're going to do Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky to be exact the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, said to be the most haunted location on earth, though I think there are locations here in El Paso that are far more haunted. You know, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, uh, there are stories of shallow people, spectral nurses, ghostly children, and distorted human forms crawling along the ceilings. These are some of the strange things people reported, uh, at Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Originally a two story building, it eventually grew to be a massive structure. In fact, in its heyday, it was like a small city, self sustaining, possessing its own zip code. Opened as a sanatorium or tuberculosis hospital, housing and treating over 400 patients at a time for many, many years. Closed its doors in 1961 after the development of streptomycin. Antibiotic proven to be effective in treating tuberculosis. So it kind of rendered the facility obsolete. Reopened the next year as the Woodhaven Geriatrics Hospital. But the state closed it down in 1981 due to allegations of patient neglect and abuse. Now one thing that Waverly Hills is known for is the sheer number of shuttle people said to reside within its walls. Now, shuttle people are Exactly what that term implies. They're people-shaped shadows. Except these shadows don't have a source. Normally, the shadows are a result of something becoming between the, the viewer and the light source. That creates a shadow. You walk outside in the bright daylight and you'll see a shadow in front of you. That's you. Now... these things just are. No one really knows what causes them. Shadow people take on several different shapes, everything from clear representations of humans to wispy or smoky mist. And though there are generally exceptions, they're usually formed of darkness so dense light can't penetrate it. And theories about what causes shadow people are wildly diverse running from the gamut from overactive imagination to ghosts and demons and aliens and even time travelers. But whatever they are, and whatever they want, many who've witnessed a shadow person has been irrevocably changed by that experience. Now, as I said, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium is a massive facility. It sits on top of a very big hill, so... Getting supplies up to it was problematic at best. It was also a cold trip to the bottom of the hill for staff in the winter time. So to solve the problem, they built a five hundred foot long tunnel from the hospital to the base of the hill. Now one side of that tunnel had stairs so people could get up and down. The other side was a slope slide, so to speak, used for carts and rail cars. Things with wheels In time that facility began using the tunnel to transport, uh, somewhat disturbing cargo, human bodies. urban legend says the tunnel found this purpose when the hospital death rate peaked. Stories say one person was dying at the facility every hour, so... That did tend to cause issues, but thankfully the real rate was, uh, Somewhat lower than that. In fact, they averaged 104 deaths a year, picking at 152 per year around the end of the Second World War. Now, many people attribute the unnerving feelings they get inside the tunnel to the passage of so many freshly deceased. Others say it's merely claustrophobia and echoes. But whatever the cause, people have reported disturbing shadows, the sounds of footsteps, and voices that can't be explained. All within the walls of the tunnel. Maybe one of the most spectacular occurrences in the so-called death tunnel, as some call it, happened to uh, two investigators of the Johnsdale Paranormal Group and they spent a significant amount of time in the tunnel conducting an EVP session and using an infrared camera to take photographs in in this strangely dark location. And while they were standing midway between the top and the bottom of the tunnel, one of them spotted something down near the bottom, a glowing ball of bluish-purple color. At first it just hovered in place, but when they turned on the infrared cameras, eliminating any external light... That ball of light changed its shape. It began to undulate as it changed shape. And using a regular camera, the other investigators started taking pictures, one after the other, in rapid succession. And if you look at the photos in sequence, it appears the large, dark purple blob is moving quickly up the tunnel toward the two investigators before it just simply vanished. So what was it? Bizarre shadow or something else? Did it go past them, through them, into them, over them, under them? We'll never know for sure, but those photographs certainly raise a lot of questions. Now, The first floor of Waverly Hills contained some patient treatment rooms, but its primary purpose was to Contain the various things required to maintain a hospital a morgue, a salon, a dentist office, and the administrative offices. Now, it's since undergone extensive renovation and restoration by the current owners of the facility, and the floor currently contains a security office. It seems that trespassers are an ongoing problem at the facility, as well as the ever present gift shop. Now, the first floor is not a hotbed of paranormal activity the way some of the other floors appear to be. But compared it to most everywhere else in the world, the first floor is still very much haunted. In fact, um, a Waverly Hills tour guide told uh, one of the uh, ghost hunting groups that there have been a high number of EVPs reported on the first floor. Only well, EVP is made when... Sounds recorded on electronic devices are interpreted as being the voices of spirits. They're not frequently heard at the time the recording is made. It's only when the recording is played back, EVPs are discovered. In one first floor of treatment room, one of the investigators uh, reported that a visitor just said, Is anybody here? When they played the tape back at the end of the session, They heard a voice respond very clearly. Well, why are you here? Now, to ask a question like that means that whatever entity was responding was a thinking entity. It didn't parrot what was said, it responded to the question with a question. Now, the second floor of Waverly Hills isn't all that well reported ab- upon. Might initially lead you to think it's not a very active location on the property, but uh, according to one of the tour guides who spends a lot of time all over the hospital, he's had more paranormal things happen to him on the second floor of the cafeteria than any other room in the building. Now, one of Waverly Hills' distinguishing features. Is it solarium? Fresh air and sunlight are believed to be some of the best ways to treat tuberculosis. So a the hill sanatorium was built, so the entire length of one side is solarium. And while the hospital was operational, that side had a copper mesh over its massive windows in an effort to keep uh, animals out. But it still remained open in the Kentucky wind and sunshine. And every day, patients will be wheeled out of their rooms and into the solarium to take advantage of these uh, elements that were believed to be very healing. Now, there are a lot of windows in Waverly Hills, in part due to the solarium. So, tour guides and visitors to the hospital frequently ask uh, spirits to tap on a window to demonstrate that they're there. On one occasion, in the second floor cafeteria, spirits were asked to tap a window so in order to say hello to the the visitors and on that occasion something or someone tapped on every single one in the room moving all the way along one direction and stopping and tapping all the way again in the reverse order either it was a freaky coincidence or in this particular case the spirit was trying to make a point Now, one of the spirits said the inhabit Waverly Hills is a small child with the name of Timmy. At least that's what people have taken to calling him. Although nobody was able to verify that any child named Tim, Timmy, or Timothy had ever been a patient at Waverly Hills, but as far as the the spirits are concerned, one name's as good as another. Estimates of his age ranged from four to seven, and One thing everybody seems to agree on, he's a mischievous little uh, rapscallion. Now, his voice has been repeatedly caught on EVP, and there are those who believe they captured his image on photographs as well. But the thing that Timmy's most famous about is playing ball. Now, if he was a patient at Waverly Hills... There's no question he would have spent most of his time in the children's ward and through playground on the fifth floor, but um, most of the people who have um, engaged this uh, spirit in the, the ball game uh, have done so on the third floor. Perhaps now he's unshackled from normal life and free to run the entire hospital and decides he likes the third floor best. But the explanation's as good as any and there are dozens of videos on YouTube and paranormal investigation sites purporting to show investigators playing ball with Timmy. Balls of various sizes and materials roll around or tumble out of shadows down the hall toward a camera. Unfortunately, though, most of these uh, videos are shot at night, so the quality is not the best with copious shadows and room for doubt. If a ball comes straight out of darkness toward the camera, for example, how well, is a viewer to know that it wasn't a human foot propelling it from the unseen end of the hall. In some of the most dramatic videos, a wind can be heard against the camera's microphone. Or maybe it's merely a breeze and not a ghost child moving the ball. Some things you're expected to take on Faith. Still, the belief in Timmy and his ball persists among many who have witnessed the activity and many people swear they've seen it move on flat surfaces and interior hallways when there hadn't been any wind. So it's nice to think that if a child's spirit really is trapped at Waverly Hills, at least it has a lot of investigators stopping by to play ball with it. And there's another child ghost said to haunt Waverly Hills. And the uh, name given to this one by Visters is Mary. Now there's a website about Waverly Hills. And according to one of the stories on it, Mary is often called Mary Lee or Mary Higgs. People believe her to be the spirit of a young woman who died on the third floor and she's best known for playing hide-and-seek with visitors at the hospital. And there are also those who believe her image was caught on a photograph taken in 2006. Now the photograph seems to show the image of a young woman standing in a doorway. Her form is transparent. And you can see what looks like the outline of her body and hair and face. It's, It's not opaque. Parts of the wall behind her are clearly visible. So you have to ask yourself, is this the photograph of a curious young lady checking to see what investigators are doing in her hallway? Or is it a trick of the light and shadow? There are believers of, on both sides of that particular question. Now, all hospitals are see significant amounts of tragedy. One assumes that Usually stops once they close and stop functioning as a hospital. That's not the case with Waverly Hills. One of the most um, disconcerting stories surrounding this facility is alleged to have happened in the 1990s, at least nine years after it closed down. Excuse me. This is a story of a homeless man and his dog. Now, Waverly Hills had a long period of neglect and even intentionally damaged by one of its owners. Insurance, don't you know? Property only wanted to build on the site, but he couldn't get Waverly Hills um, dismantled because it uh, has been deemed to have historical importance. Yeah, during his tenure as caretaker of the property, this particular owner didn't employ any security, effectively inviting vandals and in the destruction in the hope that if the building was damaged enough, it would no longer be protected as a historical site, and he could knock it down, build what he wanted to. And as empty buildings are prone to do, the Waverly Hills became the center of a great many rumors, stories of epic vandalism, drug users, homeless people, even satanic rituals. And the story of the homeless man and his dog occurs within this um, litany of stories. And while there are many sources for this story, the the one most relied on by serious investigators came from a book called Lost in Darkness. Now, according to legend, in the 1990s, an old homeless man and his best friend, the White Terrier, made Waverly Hills their home. And they were happy to have found some place safe and sheltered to live, and the new owners were content to let them stay in hopes it would discourage other trespassers who were destroying this historic building. But one night, a group of uh, trespassers discovered the man and his dog at the bottom of an elevator shaft, and they were both dead. I know it's maybe tempting to assume they really stumbled on the shaft in the dark. Psychics who visit the site say that's not how it happened. They say the man and his best friend were both murdered, thrown down the elevator shaft, and left to die. And without more information, we can't verify any details of the story. But uh, according to the uh, "Lost in Darkness." a group of juveniles eventually confessed to the crime. Unfortunately, because of their ages at the time, uh, all the details, including their names, have been uh, sealed. And many of those who visit the Waverly Hills believe the ghost of a homeless man continues to haunt the property, perhaps reluctant to give up the last home he and his dog ever had. People have reportedly captured EVPs of a dog barking or howling and Heard the dog's collar jingle, even caught glimpses of his owner. Over a man wearing a big coat. He lurk in the hallways and peer out of doorways. It's a sad end for the the homeless man and his loyal friend. Now the fourth floor of Waverly Hills is said to be the most haunted of all locations in the hospital, with the exception of the the uh, phenomenal body shoot. The uh, fourth floor was home to the sickest patients during the hospital's time as a sanatorium, and innumerable drastic surgeries were performed on this floor, including removing up to seven of the patient's ribs or collapsing a lug, my asserting air into the area around it. Little wonder the location, so much pain and suffering, would be uh, home. Tomorrow explains sounds, voices, shadow people, and apparitions than any place else in the hospital. Now, this is also the where you find what's possibly the world's largest shadow person. He's called Big Black. And it's a mass of impenetrable darkness so immense it fills the entire hallway. Now, just imagine, if you will, being in the hall of a gigantic abandoned hospital and suddenly a dark cloud approaches you. Swallows so the light from your fresh light. Now, Big Black's been seen in several locations on the fourth floor. And in the words of one of the tour guides, there, a large black shadow just settles over the hallway. And if you see Big Black, you should make it a point to go the other way. Well, what happened if he didn't go the other way? Well, one visitor who shared his experience um, claims to have encountered Big Black on the thir- in the third floor operating room. He said he felt something brush against his lower back when he began to turn around. Um, he didn't see anything, but his back began to burn. He lifted his shirt, he discovered six long scratches that hadn't been there before. What's more disturbing when he listened to his voice recorder, he found an EVP of someone or something telling him to leave. Nobody in the room heard the voice at the time, but the recorder captured it very clearly. And um, certainly if shallow people have the ability to inflict pain and suffering, you might want to think twice about uh, dealing with them. Now, something called the crawler or the creeper is also uh, to be found at Waverly Hills, kind of like a big bad of the Waverly Hills shadow people. And unlike most shadow people, it doesn't quite take human form, and it's most often uh, spotted crawling along the walls and ceiling of the fourth and fifth floors. And more often than not, people mistake the creeper for just another shadow in an empty building full of shadows and that's until that, uh, according to one of the investigators, it stands up, reveals itself as a horrifying humanoid in black mass that escapes by creeping up the walls now based on various descriptions it's impossible not to imagine the creeper sounding more animal than human. It skitters along impossible surfaces, waiting to pounce like some grotesque creature in a horror movie. In fact, though most of the shadow people in the Waverly Hills, other than Big Black, are reported to be neutral or benevolent forces, according to uh, one article on the website, uh, Exemplar, that was encountering the creeper, described an aura of doom that surrounds it. It's a feeling of malevolence and menace that's just has to be experienced, to be understood. You now, some people believe the creeper may actually have been a patient who underwent uh, um, thoracoplasty medical procedure that involved uh, cutting out a patient's ribs. Patients who survived this particular treatment, and there frankly weren't many, like the bone structure to stand upright and spent the rest of their lives bent over at the waist. Imagine someone in a perpetual bow. It's difficult to imagine the spirit of a patient who'd undergone such pain and suffering might remain in a a twisted form, trapped on the fourth floor of the hospital uh, where it happened. And if that is what happened, um, to create the creeper, any wonder it would exude a dark, menacing aura? Now, big Black and the creature and the creeper aren't the only shadow people who inhabit the fourth floor, and certainly not the only ones on the property. It seems as though spotty shadow people meandering about the grounds and all the floors of this particular facility is actually a very common procedure. For the most part, they appear to be oblivious to the human visitors. According to one investigator, it's not like one or two. These shadow people are everywhere in the building. They're like shadows that pass up and down the hallways, in and out of doorways, look out of windows. It's just like somebody's there. They actually move and break the moonlight. Uh, they're rid of, uh, uh, Paranormal investigators have reported they've literally been all around them. Still, sometimes the shadow people do take notice of the people trespassing on their property. Early one morning at about 4 a.m., a small tour group went to the fourth floor of the Waverly Hills. As soon as they entered the floor one of the group, felt uneasy, and he encountered the overwhelming scent of roses in order that grew stronger and stronger with every step he took into the ward. And while his friends went on into the operating room, he kept his back pressed against the wall his eyes focused on the solarium that spans the entire front of the building. Suddenly, though so out of nowhere, a dark, shadowy figure began to walk around in the solarium. At that point, the young man who had seen him ran into the operating room to get his friends, but everybody assumed he was just seeing things. It's his imagination, don't you know? right up until they went back into the hall and they all saw it. The shadow stood at one end of the hall exactly where the little group had been when they first entered the ward. And the shadow and the two groups stared at one another in silence for some period of time. Then as though at some signal no one else was aware of, the shadow began to float down the hall toward them, its arms moving like a distorted power walk. The darkness was so intense and dense, it swallowed the light coming in from the doorways and the outdoors, and they kept coming. Finally, the tour guide stepped between the entity and the little group of visitors. He told the entity that uh, they didn't mean any harm and would leave if it gave them a sign. The shadow was only two doorways away from the group, and suddenly, as it appeared, it vanished. You know, tour guides always have interesting stories if you can get them to tell them. And at Waverly Hills, one of the favorite stories they tell is a story of two young would-be vandals. The uh, the pair allegedly broke into the hospital armed with a axe and some spray paint. Their intent was to apparently leave their mark on the building, but apparently the the spirits that reside there had other plans. Security guard was alerted to the intruder's presence when he heard screams and cries for help echoing through the empty halls. The uh, He tracked down the source and found the two boys trapped on the fourth floor. One was trying to squeeze through a small window in the door to the staircase. The other was chopping at the door with his axe. And they were screaming, they're all around us, the door's stuck, get us out of here. So the security guard tried the door to let the trespassers out and it opened up just fine, no resistance whatsoever. Hadn't been locked at all, but the boys who intended the hospital harm hadn't been able to open it even with the aid of an axe. What have driven them to such desperation while they were trying to climb through windows and chop through the door with an axe? Well you also have to ask what what did they think was all around them? Well, nobody knows except the boys, and they didn't want to discuss it. Still, based on reports from others about being surrounded by shadow people, you have to wonder if maybe that's what the boys saw. Maybe the spirits objected to the the boys' intentions toward the hospital and wanted to scare him away. Certainly, I don't think they'll be back. Then the fifth floor is probably the most surreal of the floors of Waverly Hills. In addition to containing rooms for patients, specifically those being treated for TB with sunlight, also contained something uh, often not seen inside a hospital, an actual swing set. But tuberculosis is selective about who it affects. So Waverly Hills was home to patients of all ages, including the very young. If you look at uh, the book Lost in the Darkness, uh, the, the author reports on how the staff dealt with the Hill's younger guest. In an attempt to give him some relief from what most would have been an incredibly depressing place to grow up even without the effects of TB, the staff set up a swing set on the rooftop. And during the day, the kids were encouraged to play on, on the swing set out in the sunlight and fresh air both of which were thought to be effective treatments for tuberculosis. And it must have provided a lift for their spirits as well as an improvement in their physical health. So this could explain the numerous childlike spirits that are said to inhabit the rooftop playground. Investigators and visitors have reported hearing childlike giggling and snatches of nursery rhymes and sound of unseen children playing. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there now by far the most notorious room at waverly hills is room 502. allegedly this is the room where a young nurse's body was found hung in 1928 and there are three different stories at least about how her body came to be there although uh, all of them do uh, have to do with her being pregnant out of wedlock which in those days was just not done. Nowadays it happens all the time and is more or less accepted. 1928, that just did not happen. Legend says the nurse hung herself out of shame in her situation or because uh, she knew her friends and family would ostracize her if they found out about it. Now, there were a number of variations on the legend because, uh, well, those variations become ever more bloody and tragic. Some stories say the nurse first gave herself an abortion before she hung herself. Others claim the father of her child, a, a married doctor at the hospital, tried to abort the fetus, but botched the job, and she died on the operating table. He didn't stage it to look like a suicide to protect his reputation, both personal and professional. Of course, there's not a sufficient evidence at this late date to determine one way or the other. Now, there are no official records of a suicide having taken place in that room, but even so, people believe an unearthly presence inhabits it. According to the Prairie Ghost website, visitors to the room frequently report feeling ill. Symptoms range from slight nausea to violent, uncontrolled vomiting. People have also reported seeing a figure draped in white. Shadow people moving across the windows and blocking light as they pass, and disembodied voices ordering them to get out. Waverly Hills, Sanatorium, and Legend and Reality are woven together so seamlessly it's difficult, if not impossible, to see where one ends and the other begins. Current owners offer tours of the building, both historical and paranormal, so while its legend continues to grow... An addition of new visitors' uh, personal experiences, so too did a number of skeptics who believe it's just an eerie building with a sad history. While it's impossible to prove many of the stories that surround Waverly Hills as it is with every other haunted location I know about, it's equally impossible to disprove the belief of some that it's one of the most haunted locations in the world. The... um, Here in El Paso, at El Paso High School, uh, there is actually a photograph of a ghost. They took a class picture one year, and at the end of one line is a young lady that nobody knows who she is. Everybody swears she wasn't there. Um, I talked to a young lady the other day who was in that picture. And she said, absolutely. There was no one standing there when the photograph was taken. But in the picture, there's a faded young lady. This is long before Photoshop was even thought about. And um, her clothes are old-fashioned. Maybe one day we'll find out who she is. People have been trying to find out now for... God, at least 30 years. All right. From Kentucky, we're going to turn to Massachusetts. Danvers, Massachusetts. The Danvers State Hospital. The actual birthplace of the lobotomy. No, that's not a dance. That's a medical operation. The Danvers State Hospital is located on top of a hill in Danvers, Massachusetts. Now before it became Danvers, it had another name. Salem. Yes, that Salem. Not only was this village where the Salem witch trials took place, but the judge who provided over those trials, John Haythorn, uh, used to live on the same hill where the hospital was later built. And besides this notorious location, the hospital in Danvers is a an unnerving history of performing controversial and experimental procedures and a reputation of poor treatment for patients. And as I said, it's known as the birthplace of the lobotomy. Since the hospital closed in 1992, its legend has only grown. Stories abound about urban explorers and paranormal investigators feeling suddenly ill or being overcome with feelings of despair when they venture into certain parts of the building. Doors open and closed on their own. Footsteps have been heard in empty rooms and stairways and full body apparitions of former patients have been spotted wondering and screaming through the empty hallways. And you have to keep in mind that because of the Salem witch trials and the, the execution of the so-called witches, there's a certain aura about the general area. In Waltham, Massachusetts, we got the Metropolitan State Hospital. Once one of the largest modern equipped facilities of its type in the state, the Metropolitan State Hospital, which was a hospital for the mentally ill, closed its doors in 1992. And having fallen into disrepair while sitting vacant for many years, most of the buildings on the complex were uh, actually demolished in 2009. Only two things remain from the site's history. The abandoned and boarded up Dr. William McLaughlin Administration Building, which is a stately colonial revival building built in 1927 and a cemetery maintained by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Originally opened in 1930, the 500 acre property had been used for multiple purposes over the years, including a school for juvenile offenders, an operational farm, Haunted house to raise money for charity in the site of a new apartment complex. Most likely source for the paranormal activity on this site, though, extends back to the torments experienced by the residents in the hospital. Many who left that uh, their tortured spirits behind. There are also more than three hundred fifty patients who were buried in paupers' graves on the grounds, with nothing more than a stone to mark. Their religion and their number. One of the non paranormal but still dark stories that the hospital is known for is the murderous act of a patient by the name of Melvin W. Wilson. He murdered and dismembered a patient uh, known as Anne Marie Davy with a hatchet and buried several pieces of her body in different locations on the sprawling hospital grounds. Allegedly kept seven of his victims' teeth as a sort of souvenir, but they were discovered by employees at the hospital. Now, this incident was, of course, um, brushed under the rug, so to speak, to a local senator, two years later, led an investigation into allegations of negligence at the hospital that uncovered the story. In uh, a book called The Encyclopedia of Haunted Places, Jeff Bellinger reports that while the hospital was still in operation, staff reported encountering several different paranormal episodes, including the uncanny sight of some strange shadowy figures moving down the hallways, entering and leaving rooms, and passing through the walls. Now, staff saw some reported hearing a shrill call of disembodied screams coming from... uh, Locations where decades earlier the electroshock therapy was used on patients. Belief is that the staff was hearing echoes of the angst and pain from patients who had long since passed away. Maybe even more startling are reports of flashing lights from these same areas. Flashes that are thought to be the representative of the shock treatments used. New England Center for the Advancement of Paranormal Science specializes in research investigational claims of uh, paranormal activity throughout the state of Massachusetts as well as east-central New England. And they wrote a detailed report on this location in an April 2013 article it's posted on its website. Among the incidents documented at the hospital, voices heard to be engaged in a conversation in rooms and hallways where there's nobody present Workers being grabbed and touched by unseen hands or moving through the tunnels that linked the various site um, buildings on the site, and heavy doors slamming shut violently despite the absence of wind or open windows in two thousand eleven. reports of a glowing blue woman were made by one of a dozen different residents. One was spotted near a sidewalk up the road from the main administrative building. Police actually investigated search for a woman described to be gardening beside the sidewalk, despite numerous reports. No woman matching her description is ever found. There are those who think that could be the ghost of Anne-Marie Davy, wandering about the ground, searching for the parts of her body that were buried by her murderer. And among the most disturbing of reported incidents that the uh, old Metropolitan State Hospital... The ones that are made by those who feel as if they're being watched and overcome by a flood of emotions while walking the the scenic grounds. Some report feeling physically ill, only to return to normal almost immediately when they leave the area. But while on the grounds, they are consumed by feelings of neglect and rejection, an emphatic reaction maybe to the spirits that linger on the grounds. Few have even shared mental images that Came with these powerful emotions describing horrific procedures and practices that were carried out on former patients. Now from Massachusetts, we go to New Jersey. How about Cedar Grove, New Jersey? Originally built to help relieve overcrowding at Greystone Park, the Essex County Hospital, most frequently called the Overbrook Asylum for the Insane, was built in 1872. Hospitals, but their very nature, sites for a multitude of minor tragedies. In addition to those expected, uh, in December 1917, the heating and electrical plant for Overbrook fails. So there was no heat or light inside the hospital. And the cold snap in the weeks that followed led the frostbite for 32 patients and 24 patients died from the cold by the time uh, heat and power were promptly restored. Hospital was shut down in 2007. Remaining buildings are frequently patrolled by law enforcement in an effort to keep ghost hunters and urban explorers from getting inside its walls. Even so, photographs, um, videos, and stories of Overbrook abound on the Internet. Been visited with permission by several television crews who specialize in discovering and documenting paranormal activity. Visitors to the hospital on its grounds reportedly seeing uh, bizarrely shaped shadows and orbs and hearing disembodied voices. The, um, according to uh, the crew that filmed the movie adaptation of the novel Choke at Overbrook Asylum. Uh, there was one teamster who wouldn't leave his truck after reportedly seeing a gray-haired woman in a white cap and uniform. Apparently, that figure would disappear midway with, down a hall or into a dead-end room, and you know, when you pursued, there was never anybody there. John Edmond shared some of the video he shot it over Brook on YouTube. He has footage of what he called the scariest four-legged freak wandering in the abandoned halls of the empty asylum. And in the video Overbook Insane Asylum, Essex County Hospital, scary sighting, it uh looks much more like a person walking on all fours. So while you might hesitate to call it supernatural, it would admittedly be a discomforting thing to uh to see if you weren't expecting it. And others have claimed to see white masses that resemble people looking out the windows and hearing explainable voices. It's been pointed out by skeptics in YouTube, uh In the YouTube video, Essex County Overbrook Asylum, the hospital is so frequently broken into by vandals, ghost hunters, and urban explorers, it's impossible to know if you're the only person inside the building. So that brings up the question, are the witnesses seeing spirits or other curious trespassers? Then we've got in Morris Plains, we've got the Grace Stone Park Psychiatric Hospital. Another mammoth building. In fact, it has been the largest footprint of, single, of any single building in the United States right up until the Pentagon was built in 1943. Originally, the building had a name as big as its footprint. The New Jersey State Lunatic Asylum at Morristown. But in 1924, it was renamed Greystone Park. In fact, the hospital is known as Gravestone. It's the name given to the facility of one of its most famous patients, folk singer Woody Guthrie. Back in the days of these incredibly huge mental hospitals, patients are frequently admitted for things that wouldn't, we wouldn't consider mental illness today. And Guthrie's a perfect example of that. He lived at Gravestone from 56 to 61 because he was afflicted with Huntington's disease. Even Bob Dylan spent some time there. Now, I wouldn't call him mentally ill, but he's definitely a strange person. As with many of the hospitals that I've talked about while Greystone Park was open, rumors of patient mistreatment and abuse surrounded it like a dense fog. And since its closure in 2003, those rumors have been replaced with stories of hauntings and spirits. They're whispered stories about light anomalies, mysterious door and window openings and closings and even sightings of the faces of former patients looking out the windows. Back fact, Paranormal Romance author Denise Rago, who lives near Greystone, claims that the grounds worker reported uh, feeling watched when they'd been there. Another uh, individual reported a full-body apparition in the old shower area in the basement when he visited. While he was on site photographing the abandoned building, he watched as a planter with fake flowers slowly twisted back and forth as being influenced by the looming spirits. Even though there was no discernible breeze and uh, the windows were all boarded up. You know, many times, um, just as you have likes and dislikes and some folks you don't want to talk to and some you do, if you've got a group of paranormal investigators, and a lot of folks like to style themselves as paranormal investigators, um, some people in the group won't hear or see anything. Others see more than they want to. You know, for 20 years, every Saturday night, I did ghost tours downtown in El Paso. And uh, I had a a route that I would take people on. And... I did a lot of research, confirmed the information. And then I discovered that I call them dilettantes. Decided an easy way to make money was to take my stories and do their own tours. And they use my books as their guides. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's show. We don't have time to start another segment. And... We'll be talking more about strange and unusual things in future shows. But until tomorrow, this is Ken Huddle for the Ken Huddle Show, saying have a truly great evening.